Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about hiding under a bushel. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today is the 27th of June, 2022. And today we're going to be talking about hiding under a bushel. And if you've been a believer for many, many moons, you probably have an idea of what I'm talking about here, but you might not. But before we get into it, I want to let you know what the tour portion of this week is. It is Korach. You will find the tour portion in Numbers chapter 16, verse 1 to chapter 18, verse 32. Then the half tour portion is 1 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 to chapter 12, verse 22. The Brit Hadashah is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. I'm actually going to read to you real quick from the Homeschooling Torah News for Korach by Ann Elliott. She, it, was, it actually really kind of works with I'm going to be, what I'm going to be talking about today. So give me a minute. It says, Shavua Tov, this week's Torah portion is Korach, which be- begins by telling what happened when Korah and quite a few other Israelites rose up against Moses and Aaron. It didn't seem fair to them that Moses and Aaron were allowed to enter Adonai's sanctuary to commune with God directly. As a result of the rebellion, the entire congregation gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, and over 14,700 people died in the plague of judgment God sent on them. This is one of the most sobering portions in all of the Torah. I cannot even fathom the death of 14,700 people. However, I can fathom what rebellion looks like because I sometimes see it in my own heart. Sometimes we all feel rebellious. In fact, there are a lot of things, even in the Torah, that don't always seem fair. Why should men get to be the leaders in a home when women are just as competent? Why should parents get to make all the rules in a home while children just have to honor and obey? Why should congregations have leadership when all of us have the Holy Spirit indwelling and teaching us? It doesn't seem fair because, as Korah said, the whole congregation is holy, every one of them, and Adonai is with them. That's Numbers 16, chapter, uh, verse 3. Fear or not, Adonai's kingdom has order, rules, and authority structures. We recommend you prayerfully consider this week's Torah portion both personally and as a family. Examine your views of authority and prayerfully determine if you might be harboring contempt toward leadership, which Adonai says is contempt toward Adonai himself, Numbers 16, verse 30. I just thought that was really good. Before I go any further, I do kind of want to put a uh, disclaimer here. If you have little ones listening, you may want to send them off to do something else or listen to this at a different time when you're alone. These are uh, sensitive conversation uh, topics that we're going to get into, and I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes when it comes to teaching their children certain things. So, without further ado, hiding under a bushel. For those of you like me, I grew up on the New King James Version and the King James Version. And I'm going to read to you where this comes from. It's Mark chapter 4. Again, Yeshua began to teach by the sea. Before I get into any more further, I'm reading the Tree of Life version. So you may or may not catch where this actually is. A large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down. And the crowd was by the sea on the land. He began teaching them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to spread some seed. It happened that as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, 
where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it had no root in it, it, weather, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And others fell into the good soil and were producing fruit, springing up and increasing. They yielded a crop, producing thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Yeshua was alone, those around him with the twelve started asking him about the parables, and he told them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those who are outside, everything is in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may not hear and not understand, so they may not turn back and be forgiven. He said to them, Don't you grasp this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones beside the road where the word is sown. Whenever they hear, Satan comes quickly and takes away the word that has been sown in them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but last only a short while. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They have heard the word. But the worries of the world, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and produce fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. He also was saying to them, Is a lamp put under a basket or a bed? No. Shouldn't it be placed on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, nor anything kept secret except that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he continued, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, I wanted to read that whole thing so that you kind of understand the context, because I could have just read, you know, um, Mark 4, 21 to 24. But I wanted to read the whole thing so you kind of see the context of, of what he's talking about here. And I think it's really important, especially the Messianic community. I'm speaking to all believers now, but really the Messianic community. So many times I see that there are people in the Messianic community that are so tired and so beaten down that they want to, for lack of a better term, term, hide their light under a bushel, live their lives, love Adonai, but don't necessarily further his kingdom. And if they do further his kingdom, it's simply in the context of their own families, which isn't a bad thing because that's where we should start. However, you know, I'm, I'm part of a few different uh, messianic groups on Facebook and that's typically where you'll find me. I'm not an Instagram person. I'm on there technically, but I'm, I'm on there about once a year just to check out one of my friends who doesn't do Facebook, but I don't really do any of the other apps per se, but it's just, I see based on that, that they kind of just want to mind their own business and let the world basically self-destruct around them. And that kind of break, breaks my heart. You know, this past week, of course, I'm going to talk about it. Roe versus Wade was overturned and it's amazing to watch people even just on Facebook 
their reactions, where there are people who are truly rejoicing for the lives that are now going to be saved. And then there are people on the other side who are so scared and fearful that they lash out in hatred. And these can be fellow believers. And for the most part, I don't really see the Messianic community rising up and saying much of anything. For me and my house, we have been avid pro-lifers. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't really care. I'm going to be honest. It has to do with what does the word of God say? Growing up in my home, my grandmother and my mother, and even my sister sometimes, would go to the pro-life walk for life in Washington, D.C. every single year. January, it was almost always, I think, January time, freezing cold, and you're walking as a kid, I felt forever and a day, which is why I never went because I am not, and st- you know, I wasn't then either. Was a fan of walking. I just don't like walking. Period. Um, give me any other form of exercise, and I'll probably be more inclined to do that than simply walk. But that being said, my grandmother, you know, if you know my history, was a born again, spirit filled Catholic. They do exist. They may be few and far between, but they do exist. And, you know, I grew up in the church. We always believe that that life is important and that it shouldn't be set aside and that you should not be allowed to abort your children. Um, For me, this is a near and dear to my heart thing because, as you know, I had a child at 17. If his biological father had had his way, he never would have been born. He wanted me to have an abortion, but because it had been instilled to me at a young age that life was God-given and that it's not our job to take that away, it was never in my mind even an option or a thought. And for years and years and years, and I think I've said this before, you know, I post things on, on Facebook and things and it got to the point where my sister got so irritated with me. She would say, you know what, you need to put your money where your mouth is. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? She's like, stop posting things. Go do something about it. See, I was like the typical American where we like to almost troll on different sites and apps and whatever and make our opinions known. But in the real world, when you meet us, we're mum on whatever it is that we say that we're passionate about online. Because what? We're hiding behind the computer. So my sister challenged me, and I did truly feel like it was a challenge, to get up off of my butt and see what I could actually do for my community in this area. Because it's something that I've always been really passionate about. So I went. I went to a pregnancy center. I wanted to know more about it because I didn't know much of anything. Let's be honest. The majority of Americans, we don't know anything about abortion. Why? Because it's a dirty word and we don't really want to know what it has to do. Like what exactly does that entail? We just know that abortion on our end is killing an innocent child. On the other side, you're killing just a clump of cells and it's not a big deal. So working at this pregnancy center, I was a client advocate. So I would be talking to women who would be coming in and taking pregnancy tests. We'd walk through what their situation was in life. We try to help them. If they were coming in, they were already pregnant and we had different services for them to help to educate them on how to raise a child. 
And when they came in for those different classes, they would receive points. And those points went to our little boutique that we had in the pregnancy center where they would earn things like car seats and bottles and clothing and whatever it was that you needed for a child. And it was eye-opening for me because I had no idea that there were things like this, even in my community, that were there to help these women, not only from pregnancy, but even after they've had the child. See, pregnancy centers are not a dirty word. They are wonderful things, almost always. I'm sure that there might be some crazy ones out there, but the one that I have in Jacksonville, North Carolina, the Onzo Pregnancy Resource Center, is phenomenal in what they do. We help women, period. And also fathers as well. They have father programs. They have mother programs. We're here for not just the child, but also for the women primarily, the father, if they're willing and want to learn more. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. However, while working at the pregnancy center, I was required to educate myself on all of the different options when becoming pregnant, which include obviously keeping the child, raising the child, being able to give your child a better life through adoption. And the scariest one was abortion. Now, even though this is something near and dear to my heart, I never fully understood what abortion was. Now, there are different forms of abortion, different types, depending on how far along you are in the pregnancy. All of them, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And yet we're doing it to innocent children in the womb. I would encourage you, if you don't really know what abortion is, no matter what side you're on, educate yourself on the different forms of abortion. They're not pretty. And there's a reason that places like Planned Parenthood do not educate women who walk through their doors about what it is that they're about to do. Why? Because they make money off of it. It's that simple. Pregnancy centers, they don't make any, any money off these ladies at all. It's a nonprofit. There's no money exchanging hands for how many women walk through those doors. That's not how it works. With a place like Planned, Pregnant, uh, Planned Parenthood, that's exactly what they're doing. They get paid for how many abortions they do. They get paid for the pieces of the baby that they, they take out of these women. They don't, you know, explain all the complications that can be caused to the woman afterwards. The other reason I love the pregnancy center that we have is because they have uh, something for women who have had an abortion. Even if the woman comes in and they decide to have an abortion, we still encourage them to come back to go through the course called uh, Being Healing and Set Free. Why? Because when you choose to make a decision like that, it makes a lasting effect on you. And I've met women who say it hasn't made an effect on them at all. But it's funny because you watch them and they typically are the ones who are so loud, you know, so outspoken about why abortion is okay. And I I truly believe, and you know what, I'd love to meet somebody who maybe not hit, hit these two categories, but there are two categories of people. If you are for abortion, one, the first person who's for abortion 
is because they haven't been educated and the world has told them it's perfectly normal and that it's just a clump of cells and it's not a life. Science tells us that life begins at conception. These are the same people who, you know, over the past couple of years have told us to follow the science and yet they refuse to follow the science when it comes to when life begins. The second category are those who have had an abortion. Because whether they want to acknowledge it or not, they want to justify what they've done. They're hurting and they're angry. Maybe about their circumstance or why they had to do it. They could also just be a person who had an abortion and still doesn't know exactly what an abortion is. And my heart hurts for those people because they don't recognize that there is hope and healing in the arms of Yeshua. Yeshua can help to heal the hurts that they have. I'm actually friends with a couple, a few different women who have had an abortion. Or who have forced family members to have abortions. God still loves them. God still loves you. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It, it truly breaks my heart because, you know, it's funny, my husband actually was speaking a little bit about this on Saturday and um, he said something that I think is, is absolutely true. I actually, <laughs> I had the sermon right next to me. Um, it's just that we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared and we need to be on high alert after a victory like this, because it is then that we are vulnerable to counterattack. And the forces of darkness in this world will surely counterattack because we're not dealing with earthly forces. We're dealing with spiritual battle. And I saw it today, even on my own Facebook page, I have a friend of mine who does cakes. She's a single mom. Actually, she works at the pregnancy center and she, you know, working at a pregnancy center, you don't exactly get paid much. So she has a side job where she works and she makes cakes. And let me tell you, they are phenomenal. And this is a person who has a million and one allergies. I asked her to make me macarons. We've done other things as well, but the, the most recent one was macarons and told her all of my allergies. And she was like, okay, to be safe, I'm just going to make you some vanilla macarons. Let me tell you, they were the best macarons I've ever had. That being said, her business is being attacked because she posted something about how she was happy about Roe versus Wade. So she started getting negative reviews on her business because of her personal beliefs, not because of, of how her cake turned out for somebody, but because of her own personal beliefs. And that to me is heartbreaking that you would ruin a small business, a single mother, simply because of their thoughts. You know, a lot of people, um, a lot of, you know, more liberal leaning people would say, Hey, you know, you're allowed to have your opinion just like we are. But then when you have your opinion, they'll attack you. And I think that's where we need to be the difference there. We don't need to attack the other side. We need to kill them with kindness, to love them the way that Yeshua would love them, which does not mean we cannot tell them, hey, I don't agree with you here and tell them what we believe in, but we could still love them where they're at because that's what Yeshua would do. So I want to encourage you, especially, you know, this whole hiding under a bushel no matter what it is that you're passionate about, whatever stance it may be, I know a lot of people have said that this is more of a political issue than a moral issue. And to those people, I've said, you need to read your Bible. You need to read the word. 
Adonai is the father of life and light and salvation. Hasatan is the dealer in, of death and hatred and fear and animosity and anxiety. He plays and uses all those things. Why? Because he's here to kill, you know, steal, kill, and destroy us. That's exactly what abortion does. Steals from you, kills a life, and can destroy you. Adonai is not part of that. You know, you could have made a mistake and made some choices that were not great. But you know what? There is forgiveness and redemption in Yeshua. One out of four women, by the time that they are 45, have had an abortion. One out of four. A lot of people will argue, yes, well, there are those instances where, you know, it's it's life-saving or you have been raped. That is less than 1% of all the abortions. There have been 65 million abortions since Roe versus Wade. And you're telling me that all those are because of that? I can tell you from personal experience working at these pregnancy centers, because a lot of these women come in thinking that we um, actually give abortions. We do abortions, which we don't. We do do ultrasounds because ultrasounds are actually found to help mothers recognize and see that they are carrying a life and they're more likely to not abort when they've had an ultrasound. There are women out there, and I think it's because they're not educated or they have simply become so desensitized to life and caring about life that they don't care. There have been women who have come into the pregnancy center when I was working there. I no longer volunteer there. I had to take a little bit of a hiatus because there were a few too many women who had come in who used abortion as birth control. Birth control. They didn't want to use protection. And they didn't care about getting STDs at all. And they had multiple partners. I had one who actually was happily married but never wanted to have children. So she simply used abortion as her birth control. If we actually educated the young people on what abortion truly was, we'd have less of an outcry right now. And less outrage. Because when somebody sees what abortion is about, they're a whole lot less likely to be for that. My heart breaks for those who had to make that choice. Because there are definitely situations where you have, you know, you're in a domestic abuse situation or things of that nature where you think that that's your only option. But there are so many different outreaches in different communities that are there to help you. Not to look down at you, not to judge you but to love on you and to try to help you to the best of their ability. And I encourage any of you who are listening, who are in a situation like that, to please reach out for help. We need to not be any of these people that Yeshua talked about in this parable. We need to be the sower who sows the word. 
and not only sows the word on the good soil, they hear the word and accept it and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Don't be a backseat believer and let other people do the hard work. We all need to come together as like-minded believers and say, stop, no further. This is as far as it goes. I live in North Carolina. The fact that Roe versus Wade has been revoked means nothing in my state. It has not changed anything. It's going to have to come down to the state's level because it doesn't mean that there are no longer going to be, you know, abortions are completely banned. It doesn't mean that. It means it's been thrown back to the states to make those decisions. So for me, like we're praying that, you know, from our state level that it will be revoked. But his heart, you know, God's heart is for his people. And for us as believers, we need to, whether it's this, this particular issue, we need to stand up and say, no, the word of God says this. Therefore, we say no. Not what's in our own hearts. What's not, what's the easier path? What does the word of God say? Because quite frankly, when you are walking that, that narrow path, it gets hard. Because there are times where your flesh doesn't necessarily agree with what the word of God says. I know I'm not the only one who's, who's agreeing with that one. Because there are definitely times in my mind where I want to do something or I have a certain, a certain belief. And my flesh is like, yeah, 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 this is absolutely true. This is how I feel. So it must be right. But the word of God says, no. Adonai says, this is not okay. Leviticus 18.21, not to offer our children to Malek, which a lot of people bring up. And I think that it's actually very true. Malek was one of the gods that people would um, sacrifice their children to. Now, abortion is not exactly the same because they're still in the womb. These people would wait until their child was born and then sacrifice them. But you know what? In New York, they have a law where you can actually kill your child after they've been born. So I think that this is a step in the right direction. I know this is kind of like a darker podcast, but I also feel like there are times where you just, you don't want to talk about the status quo. And for me, I definitely don't, especially in this particular circumstance. But I think that it's important that no matter what the situation is, the word of God is true. The world around us may crumble and fall, but if we stand on the word of God, then our hands are clean and our consciences are, are clear. Our consciences are, are clear. Now, it's not us hiding behind the word of God because you don't simply say, well, the word of God says this and thus this. No, you walk it out. You live your life. You do like my sister said, which was getting out of your comfort zone and going out into your community and making a difference. The simple thing for me that made a difference today, and it might seem simple for me, but I know it was a big deal to my friend who's making those cakes, is that I went on there, because I hadn't done it before, and I left a review stating how wonderful a person she is, how professional she is, and what a great job she does. Because they're all true. And that's one way I fought against the darkness today. It's a tiny, small thing, but I'm sure it meant the world to my friend. Hundreds of people did so. 
because she's had so many people that she's made cakes and different bake treats for. So find something, even if it's something simple like that, to love your neighbor as you would yourself, but do so with correction and kindness and mercy and grace. Now, that being said, I'm going to leave you like I do every single time with the Aaronic Benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Sashalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week. I know I'm pumped because next weekend we're going to be getting ready for the 4th of July. And that is probably my very favorite American holiday of all time. So enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And step out of your comfort zone and get out there and, and do something with your community to show the love of Yeshua, just as he would do. I'll see y'all back here next week. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse, and it should have a button right there to say leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.